Hi, my name is Jiwon Park, founder and CEO of a sexual wellness company, Save & Co, based in Korea. Femtech to me is breaking and eliminating gender-based biases toward women's health concerns and our bodies. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast brought to you by Fem Health Insights, the leaders in women's health, market research, and consulting. In this show, we have meaningful and provocative conversations with Fem Health experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto. Today's episode is brought to you by Good Clean Love. So news alert, if you didn't already know, I love to say the word vagina. Also, I have a vagina. And when mine is feeling a little out of whack, just a little out of balance, I go for Good Clean Love's Restore Moisturizing Vaginal Gel. It's made to help the vaginal dryness and itching and unusual odor. So it's my go-to before I make an appointment with my doctor. I personally feel super comfortable using it because they're biomatch technology. Good Clean Love's patented biomatch technology taps into three factors that can maintain a healthy vaginal microbiome. These are osmolarity, a healthy vaginal pH, and lactobacilli. Good Clean Love's products are isoosmolar to help you maintain moisture and not strip any of it away. It has a pH range of 3.5 to 4.5, so the products match your vaginal pH, and they contain lactic acid to help maintain a healthy vaginal microbiome. Gotta love those microbes, y'all. Holiday travel and stress always throw me a little out of whack, so if you're like me, make sure to get yours before you travel. I've got a special deal for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order by using promo code FEMTECH. Go to goodcleanlove.com and use promo code FEMTECH for 10% off. Shop products that are made to match your vaginal biome. Goodcleanlove.com. And in today's episode, I interviewed Juwan Park, founder and CEO of Save & Co., Juwan Park is an award-winning designer, serial entrepreneur, and educator. She graduated from the Rhode Island School of Design, was a Fulbright scholar, and has over 15 years of experience in design. Before embarking on her entrepreneurial journey, she also served as an associate professor at UT Austin in Texas. In 2018, Juwan founded the sexual wellness company Save & Co. in Korea. After witnessing persistent misrepresentation and patriarchal stances towards women's sexual activities, Save & Co. provides women with safe-to-use contraceptives and intimate hygiene products, helping them to maintain their sexual wellness. The brand name Save flips the word bias backwards, signaling the company's mission to overturn negative and patriarchal biases towards women exercising sexual agency. The brand provides a safe space for women and delivers high-quality sexual wellness products using only healthy and natural ingredients. Their discreet yet stylish design provides a shame-free experience and aims to normalize the perception of sexual wellness, redefining it as natural and healthy part of life. In this interview, we discuss the past, present, and future of women's health in Korea, how Korean culture has impacted the birth rate, and unique challenges for femtech founders in Korea. 
This is a great opportunity to learn more about Saving Co's mission to flip the biases shown to women in Korea. Learn more about their company at www.save.co. That's S A I B bias backwards dot com. And don't forget, we got you a promo code. Use promo code FEMTECH for 25% off your order. Enjoy the episode. Hi, G1. Welcome to the show. Hi, Brittany. Thank you so much for having me. Such an honor to join you today. Oh, you're so sweet. Have you listened to the podcast? Yeah, I actually have listened to every single episode of yours. I think you need an yeah. award because that's a lot of <laughs> hours of my voice. <laughs> so. I know. I mean, like, I and I only found out about the show in like, like end of like 2021. So I had to spend like, you know, like 2022 and part of um, the half of the 2023. Um, I listen to every day when I commute to work. Um, so you've been oh. with me every day. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that. Listeners, yeah. if you listen to this show on your commute, let us know, drop us an email info <laughs> at femtechfocus or femhealthinsights.com. Tell us when you listen to the show. I love hearing these stories. Um, and if you're a commuter right now, listening, you're, you're on the right track because we're going to hear an amazing story today about this really cool company. So where are you calling us from today, Juwon? Um, I'm actually calling in from Seoul, Korea. From South Korea. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Seoul. Um, well, that is an important part of what we're going to talk about today. And before we get into your products and the femtech industry in South Korea, first, we want to learn more about you. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about your personal background and how you got into women's health? Yeah, um, I was born and raised here in Seoul, Korea, um, in a very typical, um, very conservative family. Um, um, I majored in design and I co-founded and ran two companies before I moved to the U.S. Uh, in my late 20s to pursue my graduate studies. And um, after I graduated from RISD as a Fulbright scholar, um, I started my academic career and became an assistant professor at UT Austin and taught there for six years. And while I was teaching there, um, I became aware of different perspective around female sexuality between conservative Korea and in the U.S. Very interesting, especially <laughs> in Texas. So yeah. before we get into that, um, quickly tell me, what were your two companies like or what industry were your companies in before and what were you teaching in Austin? Mm. So um, my first company was a um, design consulting agency and second company was a social venture. And we were trying to redesign the, and innovate the donation process in Korea. Cool. <laughs> right. Impact, heart, fashion, design. I love it. Um, and then what were you teaching in Austin? Design. Design. Okay. Yeah. And when you say design for our listeners, is it product design, graphic design, fashion design? What kind of design? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I specialize in, in graphic design, um, mostly like a branding, but the program was, um, interdisciplinary design. So it was, um, you know, stu students get exposed to all aspects of design, you know, ranging from, um, you know, product, graphic, um, branding, UI, UX, and things like that. 
Well, I'm so excited because I think that that obviously has a huge part in the product line that you've launched. And, you know, sometimes I have people come to me oftentimes, a lot of times like students come to me saying, I want to work in femtech, but I'm not a scientist and I'm not a doctor. And I'm like, oh, that's fine. You could be in women's health and having had a background in almost anything and you have a place here, a very, very useful and important place. We're going to get into the importance of female design or design by women for women and how that Mm -hmm. has so much impact. Um, What were some of the uh, similarities that you were finding in terms of female sexuality between South Korea and your time in Texas or differences? I mean, it was like mostly differences, you know, like uh, uh, when I became a professor, I was like 28 years old, um, but I was like uh, really completely um, naive about anything related to sex because um, I was born, um, born and raised, I was raised in that way. And, you know, um, sex in general is such a huge taboo topic and, and, you know, like nothing has been talked and taught in families and and it's not a subject you know that are like really being taught at public schools you know we have sex education class but it was not nothing like practical sex education you know like i never learned how to use contraceptives and how to better protect my body it was just about you know they they told us a little bit about menstruations and um and you know um, I was even asked to sign a virginity pledge um, wow. during the sex education class. Um, so um, I was kind of, you know, like forced to stay naive about sex and I didn't know much about it. And even though I was sexually active at the time, um, you know, I never um, even, you know, like touched the condom before because I thought that's something, you know, the guys will um, prepare it and they will use it and I don't want to. Um, know about it or talk about it and things like that. Was so, it your experience that South Korean men did come prepared or not so much? Not so much, you know. Oh, yeah. And um, is this based on like a religious thing? Because I know in the United States, a lot of times the sex ed and the virginity pledges have to do with Christianity and like reserving yourself. It's God's will, right? It's kind of very wrapped up in religion. Is that similar in South Korea or is it more just like the culture I think it's more like a culture. I mean, the Christianity is, is, is big in Korea, but it's, it's, it goes way be, beyond that. So, um, so we have long history of um, Confucianism culture, which has, which is very conservative, very, very patriarchal, um, and such a double standard between, um, the, the gender. So, mm-hmm. um, those factored in. Did they mention at all about, uh, alternative like sexualities or genders outside of heteronormative situations. I can imagine that if they're making you sign a virginity pledge, they're assuming penetration is the only type of sex you can have. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's even worse, you know, such a long way to go. Wow. Um, and so let's jump in because I'm going to ask you a lot more questions about South Korean culture, but I want to let people know uh, what you did and start to weave that into the story. Tell us about your company, Save. Why did you found it? What's its goal? Tell us about what, what it is. Yeah. Um, Save is a sexual wellness brand um, providing women safe to use contraceptives and intimate hygiene products, helping them to control and maintain their own sexual and reproductive health. 
Um, so our brand name save is reverse of bias, um, symbolizing the need to overturning the um, gender-based biases around female sexuality. Um, so our company is um, disrupting the sexual wellness in- industry starting in Korea. So it is, uh, like I said, you know, like it is very conservative and patriarchal culture. Um, and it is just like any other Asian countries now. And it's very uncomfortable for women to even talk about anything related to sex. Mm-hmm. And because of these cultural taboos and women are putting their health and well-being at risk, um, you know, resulting in serious health-related problems such as, you know, like unwanted pregnancies, um, abortions and STI infections and things like that. And we provide um, very discreet and female-friendly products and experiences with, um, you know, like completely shame-free and positive tone. And we aim to normalize the perception of sexual wellness and redefine them as the natural and healthy part of life. So women can take care, take take control of their sexual health more conveniently uh, without any concerns or hesitation. And how do you do that? What what products are you selling and how are they different than what's on the market? Yeah, um, so we started, uh, we launched our brand with a single SKU, um, say premium condom, um, you know, three-piece pack, um, you know, packaged in a stylish tin case, which also protect condom from external damages. And we try to make it, um, you know, like, as much as not like typical condom packaging. Yeah. So um, if you look at the market, it's very male dominated. Um, I mean, in Korea, but I think um, US is similar too. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, that combining with the cultural taboos, um, you know, it is really hard for women to go to the store and buy, buy condoms and carrying it. So we try to um, eliminate all those negative experiences by providing them you know, discreet and, uh, you know, like designing um, the packaging and branding in a way like a woman can easily resonate with. Yeah. I remember one time uh, when I was living in Texas, I went to the store to actually buy some condoms. And even I, I felt uncomfortable, you know, and I am who I am. <laughs> and uh, the condoms were behind a locked cabinet. I was like, Ooh, oh my yes, gosh, yes. you mean I have to go find someone and say, hey, can you please help me? I need to buy some condoms. Like, obviously that they did that because they were being stolen, right? So mm-hmm. they put things behind locked things because it's stolen, which it tells me that people are already so uncomfortable even go to the yeah. register with it that yeah. they were just stealing it. How mm-hmm. is like it going to be possible for them to be like, I need assistance. Somebody come, please open this with your <laughs> manager key. Like, and so anyways, there's, that's one example of like in the United States. And I just would love to give my uh, personal description of your product because you've sent me some samples and they are so cute. I feel so mm-hmm. empowered. I love it. So folks, what she has created on the one product she's mentioning here was that it sounds like maybe the first product line. It's this little tiny tin case. It looks like a little Tic Tac case or gum case. And you and it's just silver plain. It says, you know, the company's name on it, but very kind of general. And you slide it over and the condoms are in there and it can hold up to three. 
at least mine has three in it. And it's um, the condoms, instead of thinking about it, like seeing the full diameter or circumference of the condom, instead, it's kind of squished horizontally. So it really looks like the shape of a gum, like a piece of gum. But you can see it's, you know, the ridges of the condom within there. And but it is whenever I show it to someone, they're like, this is amazing. Like, why don't all condoms look like this? Like, why do we still have those cardboard boxes with giant Trojan men on it and, you know, <laughs> fire and pleasure and, you know, like, blah. it's like, these, this is so quaint. And I mean, even somebody who's so out loud as I am, I think it's so cool. I love it. So tell us about what happened when you launched that product. Did you get good feedback? I mean, um, you know, I knew it from the beginning. It's going to be challenging because, you know, like, um, I saw a problem, um, because, you know, I was the, I, I was like, I was the one that, you know, like I was very typical Korean woman, you know, and like uh, I was trained to, um, I was like educated, um, to stay naive about sex and I did not know much about contraceptives. And, um, you know, like women had to went through the same thing, you know, like you, you don't, you don't get proper, um, sex education, but you became, you know, became in a relationship and became sexually active. And every single woman in Korea have experienced, you know, like concerning about, um, getting pregnant because the, um, you know, male partner refused to use condoms and things like that. Um, so, you know, there's like a, so much problem to be solved. Um, and, um, I knew it from the beginning it's going to be challenging because, you know, no matter how, um, you know, like innovative, how great our product is. Um, it is such a hard to persuade the, um, what person woman who have never experienced the purchasing a condom before. So we had to a do a huge barrier of- for femtech is a lot of times we can create solutions that women mm-hmm. need, but one, you have to educate them that this is what they need. And this is, you know, the problem they're experiencing. They may not, they may even think what they're experiencing is normal. So educating them, it's not normal. Second, you need this product. And then third, like be comfortable enough to actually purchase it. Like so many barriers, you know, to the actual purchasing process in femtech as of right now. So Mm -hmm. keep going. Tell us what happened. Yeah. So I first started the company in 2018 and actually while I was still teaching in Austin. So it was like me, um, you know, teaching in Austin during day and night. It was, um, Korean working time. So I was like a working as a founder of a sexual wellness company in Korea. So, um, it was really challenging, but, um, you know, like, um, you know, like we, we tried to, um, we were trying to make a creating, create a movement or making a statement with, with using our product. So, um, we tried to, um, you know, like sp- spread our messages as, as much as we can. And we did lots of, lots of, um, awareness campaign. Um, so like for the first, you know, like maybe like one and a half years or almost two years, like we focused on not really, um, selling the product, but more, more, of, you know, raising awareness, talk about these issues and, you know, re-educating female consumers in Korea. Yeah. Did you get funding to do that or was that just out of your own pocket? Have you, have you fundraised? 
I mean, in the beginning, um, it was um, me and some um, some like angel investors um, who who really resonated with our missions and who were also very close friend of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it was um, kind of like self funded, um, and um, in um, and in like later half of 2019, um, we did the, our first fundraising, and we were um, you know. Um, the first um, femtech sexual awareness company in Korea to be funded by the mainstream VCs. Oh my gosh, that is so awesome. Um, tell us more about some of the unique challenges as a femtech founder in South Korea. Are there, you know, um, we'll start with fundraising. Uh, what has been your experience as a South Korean woman fundraising for a, you know, condom that is branded for females? What has been your experience like? Uh, I mean... I mean, it's been challenging, as you can imagine. Um, but I think, you know, like being a female founder is one thing. And being a founder, making a consumer product is another thing. That's also not mainstream. You know, you know, the, the industry is focused on like, um, you know, like AI, deep tech, SaaS, um, you know, um, those um, products. Um, and like a, we were conceived as a, uh, consumer product and that's also minor and then we are talking about taboo subject so it was like a um all the worst cases of checkboxes <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah and then i was also um solo founder so that was also a kind of you know negative um mm-hmm. you know aspect for the uh, investors um so it was hard um i mean like even like like all the responses um, I've been getting when I was pitching, um, pitching. I mean, even I was able to pitch, getting able to pitch our business to them was hard. You know, the people yeah. were like rejecting. Um, so we're not, we're not um, investing in such, um, you know, this great, graceful, um, unethical product. Mm. Um, I mean, so like I got like so much re- rejection, even for getting appointment or, um, so it's been hard to just get the opportunity to pitch our ideas. But even when I get to pitch our ideas, um, our company, um, they were like, you know, um, you know, I get the mission and I get, I see the problem, but this business will never going to work because there's no consumer. Wow. Yeah? Well, I know that you have other product lines. Um, and by the way, I know one of them is lube and it is officially y'all I'm on record saying this officially my favorite lube. And I've been sent a lot of Fentech lubes. Okay. Over the years, like that's one thing apparently everyone loves to send me is the samples of their lube. Yours is the best so far by hands down. The best. It's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, So you're doing you know, the, good work. So tell us, <laughs> right? Like, w- I mean, tell us the, more. The, you know, like experience could be varied by, by, um, you know, by consumers. So mm-hmm. some people may like the product, some people may not like the product. But one thing we can say for sure is, um, I think we, we, we've created, um, one of the safest loops that's being sold in the world because like we, we did really try to, um, use, um, really safe proven ingredients. And, and, you know, surprisingly, not many products meet the criteria. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, because many of these products are made for, you know, male pleasure optimization without uh, awareness of the vaginal microbiome. And well, whatever you put in yours, it works great. I feel great. <laughs> I love it. I'm a big fan. Um, I actually I need to make an actual order now. I think I ran out of yeah. your samples. Um, <laughs> and so, but so again, you're, you're expanding from that little tin that's holding the condoms into, you know, you have like a bedside jar with condoms, you have lube, you have vaginal wash and different things. So obviously things are, are progressing. Um, were the investors wrong? Are there customers? Tell us about the kind of the traction of the progress. Yeah. I mean, like it's been a challenging journey, um, obviously, but, um, we've sold more than 1 million of that condoms, that three pack tin case condoms. And we, we are being sold in more than 10,000 stores across Korea, uh, which is great. Um, and we're trying to expand globally, starting with the um, official launch in the US later this year. Oh my gosh. And so can um, listeners listening, where can they purchase it based on where they are? Can we buy it online? Yes. Um, so, um, we haven't, um, set up the like U.S. shipping facilities yet. Um, but we do ship directly from Korea to over 30 countries worldwide. So you can still, um, order it from our D2C website, which is, um, save.co. Um, and it will take some time, but, um, we will set up the fulfillment center soon. So it will soon be, um, you know, better experience. Amazing. All right. I'm going to put my order in and I know our listeners are getting a promo code femtech for 25% off your order. So make sure you, uh, you get that and get it today because the shipping might take, take a little bit, but that's okay for now. Um, I want to back up a little bit and talk more about the, the South Korean, um, environment for women and their sexual wellness. You talked a lot about kind of the ignorance, this like um, infusion of, you know, it's better to just not know. Obviously, we mm -hmm. know that that's not when you have knowledge, you have more power. So what's like the history of women's health in South Korea in terms of like, what are the consequences of this ignorance? Are there really bad like uh, STD, STI rates? Is there a lot of unwanted pregnancies? Is there just, is there a lot of sex? Is there not a lot of sex? Like <laughs> kind of tell us about that. Yeah. I mean, um, the history of, you know, women's health in South Korea is such a big topic, but I'm trying to, I'm going to try, um, to give Summarize you a it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> give us the highlights. I mean, I mean, like I, I mentioned briefly, but like, I think, I think we need to go way back to like Joseon dynasty, um, which was the last imperial dynasty, um, that, you know, lasted from 1300 to nine, early 1900. And the, um, the national religion was Confucianism. So Confucianism culture was, um, you know, dominant in Korea for more than 600 years and, you know, which emphasized strict gender roles and hierarchies mm -hmm. within the family. So like a male had a very important role in family and better social status. And there were a strong preferences for sons over daughter. Um, and women were like socially pressured to produce babies until they give, give birth to son to, um, inherit the family name and blood. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, even post the, um, the Joseon dynasty, um, you know, Korean society has been, um, heavily influenced by this Confucianism culture and remained very patriarchal. 
I mean, it's, I mean, it's getting better and better, um, but we still have those traditional values still lingering through these um, modern societies. Um, and, you know, and 1953 was the, when the Korea War ended. And since, um, since then, you know, Korea went through the rapid industrialization and modernization and the modern healthcare system and infrastructure was implemented during this time. And as we all know, post-war came with the baby boom, right? Um, so in 60s and 70s, um, like the population growth was like really rapid and the government implemented, um, aggressive family planning policies to reduce this, um, you know, rapid population growth. So, All right, so um, I'm going to like express my ignorance real fast. I thought that was just an American thing, the baby boom. That was a global thing. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. That's such an American like, thing for them to like <laughs> tell us that it's just America. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I think the year is a little bit different though, because like our post-war is like a, after 53. So yeah. it's like a little bit later, a couple years later. Okay. Um, so and then like there was like a huge baby boom. Um, so government tried to this like implement this policy to reduce the population growth. Um, and they were successful, you know, you know, they were successful in reducing birth rate, but also led to unethical issues with the, you know, forced sterilization or, um, abortions, obviously. Wow. So, you know, and then like in the eighties, um, the, the, the ultrasonic technology was introduced. Um, so people were able to determine the fetal sex. Um, and then abortion of girls due to that boy preferences. Remember I told they prefer sons over daughters and becoming, they became widespread um, throughout the society. So, I mean, the, you know, like abortion was still illegal since the, um, con- our constitution was established in, in 1953. Um, but still so many abortions were happening, resulting in, um, and this resulted in, you know, like really abnormal sex ratio. Yeah. So currently we have um, so much more male population over women. So that's like another problem that we have. Um, so the, you know, the, um, it is known as the natural sex ratio is, um, 100 to 105. So slightly more female than male naturally. But um, Korea has recorded is the um, very um, uneven ratio up to 116 um, to 100. Wow. Okay. Wow. And is abortion still illegal today in South Korea? Um, No. I mean, like abortion was um, illegal until 2021. Um, So it's very recent. Um, So... um, it's it's been it's been um you know like legalized um very recently but historically we've been always um you know highest rate highest abortion rate among the developed countries so wow. we were number one abortion rate among all the OECD member countries in 2017 and this was you know not this this wasn't there wasn't official abortions everything was doing underground so it wasn't all the numbers that has been captured but we were still number one wow um, yeah wow and i mean where do you see your company fitting into that do you think you know i mean as of 2017 
it may or may not have been influenced by the sex of the baby. What it's sounding like to me is that it also had a whole lot to do with unplanned pregnancies or unwanted, right? Yes. I mean, you know, like this is also um, the issue of those, you know, like, uh, you know, sex generally being a taboo subject, um, especially for women. Um, and women being taught to stay naive about sex is the like root cause of this problem because you know um, the research shows that like more than sixty percent of Korean women are not using any type of contraception at all, so wow. they're just they're just relying on the um the their like ovulation cycle, which mm-hmm. is not a contraceptive method. Um, so. Um, they don't use any contraceptive at all. And our um, condom usage rate is um, the lowest among the um, OECD member countries, um, which is crazy because um, so women does not use any contraceptives and uh, we have lowest condom usage rate. Um, so, and then all the um, research are falling into women, right? Um, so it's, it is not surprising that we had a such a high abortion rate. Yeah. Wow. Do you think that um, all of this also kind of is intertwined with gender equality? Because something in our research that we find is when you have a country that has a lot of women in STEM, science, technology, engineering, medicine, you then also have a lot of solutions being produced for female health. And one of the things we see in, you know, Japan, I've spent a lot of time there. We've had Japanese uh, folks on the show is that one of the major issues is that lack of gender equality. And so we don't have as many women in STEM. We don't have as many women making investments. And so all of a sudden it's like this very male dominated space. Um, Is it similar in Korea? Um, I don't know. I think it is more like a social, social culture problem. It's not like we don't have access to, um, you know, contraceptive method. Um, it's more like women are hesitant to reaching out to use those methods act- actively because they are afraid to, um, you know, getting judged or getting slut shamed, um, you know, and, you know, because of this, um, like pure ideology or like virginity ideology, um, women are trying to avoid um, to being seen as experienced, you know, yeah. so they try to stay away from using contraceptive or knowing about contraceptives in general, you know. Do you find that your product is changing that? I mean, like we are trying to change that. And um, I, I don't think we can take all the credits, but, um, you know, the so- society is changing um, for the betterment in general. So um, I see, you know, like especially um, like younger millennials or like Gen Z, they do have, um, you know, much more open attitude toward, um, you know, like related to anything, you know, like sexuality um, in, in, in anything in general. So they um they are not um they became less afraid to talk about these issues or um being active um you know being in control of their own sexual health and things like that so i see a lot of changes happening um but we do still have those like conservative values for you know like um floating around the society so it is changing but still very controversial if you had a magic wand to change how sexual wellness for women in South Korea could be in the future, what what is like at least one thing that you would change? Like something that you're like, oh, if we change this, I think the downstream effect would be so good for women. 
I mean, the answer is very clear. Sex education. Mm. We have to change the sex education. I think that's the, that's the, like the, the ultimate root cause of the problem yeah. because, um, the, it is an awkward subject to be discussed at home. But then like if, if it's not taught at school, like there's like no place for the, the kids to learn about it. Yeah. So is porn a thing in South Korea? Like is there really high rates of people watching porn? Cause that's yeah. sex ed for a lot of people in America. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like crazy because those are like really extreme, you know, like those doesn't reflect real, real situations. Yeah. So those become um, a really big problem. And even like those, you know, like, you know, online based, like digital, like sex crimes. I think like those could be prevented, um, if there were better sex education in the beginning. So like, if they were being taught, um, you know, like, you know, like, you know, positive, um, you know, behavior, um, from the early age before they exposed to those, um, you know, porns or, you know, those like harmful, um, contents online, which is very, very easy to access these days. Um, so if they were being educated before they got exposed to those, I think that so, so many problems could be, um, you know, like prevented. Yeah. What are some other femtech, uh, challenges in South Korea? So like, is there a fertility issue? Is there maternal health, mortality, menopause, growing aging population? I'm sure all of it. But, you know, uh, every country kind of has their thing, right? Where they're like, this is kind of the worst of the worst. Um, so in Korea, what is kind of another raging topic of of necessity to innovate in? Yeah, I guess um, I have to talk about the fertility rate okay. uh, because it's very, very serious problem, um, you know, at the moment. Because, um, our, um, you know, fertility rate for last year was, um, 0.778. So when two people get married, they don't even produce one baby. It's so, less than uh, a one, one child. Less than yeah. a one child. And that's the, like, we are the only one country in the world with the fertility rate in the zeros. So every, all other countries are, you know, beyond one. And we're the only one below that. And that's the lowest fertility rate ever recorded um, by an OECD member countries. And, you know, the U.S. was like more than a double. It was like 1.6 something. And, you know, like, like Japan, for example, um, they have been known for chronic low birth rate, right? Um, but they, they are um, more than like, like they are like 1.2 something. So it was... It's wow. still like more than 1.5% higher. Yeah. So, and this is very dramatic drop too. So okay. it's becoming a really serious problem. Is it cultural? Is it something in the water? Like are women trying to get pregnant and they're just not having the baby? Or is it that, so is it like these fertility clinics are just totally overwhelmed with all these women trying? Or is it there's <laughs> like a lack of interest? Uh, the lack of interest, you know, like it's, it's definitely social factor. Wow. So, you know, women are becoming, becoming like more educated and they're becoming more empowered. Um, but society is still, you know, staying with the, those like traditional values, um, that has like a double standard for women and expect women to behave certain ways and things like that. So, 
um, when woman, um, you know, became be, becomes mother, they have to make so much sacrifices, and you know, like empowered, educated woman just can't stand that. So, um, we what have, are some of the sacrifices? Maybe, uh, yeah. What are some of the sacrifices expected of a South Korean woman who has a baby? I mean, there are still um, many discriminations in workplaces um, when when you know, female employee became man, the, the married and became a mother. Um, there's lack of support for them. And, you know, they, they um, you know, hardly get promoted um, or discriminated and things like that. Um, so it is um, not easy for women to continue their career um, when they, when they become mother. So that's like a one big issue. And also, um, the like gender roles within home hasn't changed much. So, um, you know, the, you know, guys that are working and women is working, um, but still are the, you know, the, the cooking, cleaning and all those like household chores are often, um, you know, being forced to women. So it is really hard for women to, you know, do all that. And also give birth to a baby and raise them and keep their career. So it, it, it is um, really hard for women to continue all that. Yeah. Do the parents, um, are they very involved? Like the grandparents of the child or the parents of the girl? Um, mm-hmm. I just have this, you know, perception of Asian culture with like the grandparents yeah. being very involved. Is that is that still the case or are they more involved with like if they had a boy, then they're involved more in his life versus the girl? I mean, they, they became, they tried to become more involved. Um, but it's, you know, the other, um, social infrastructure and system is not in place to support women. Got it. Do you think that the government, like, obviously they care about like if South Koreans are going to exist, if Koreans are going yeah. to exist, we need to birth them. Right. And so it's in the government's yeah. interest to, uh, you know, encourage this. Do you, are, do you see them taking any action right now in terms of like changing policies or rules mm-hmm. or awareness campaigns? I mean, like they've been, you know, like implemented like various, um, you know, policies to address this, but I don't think any of those, really tackles the root causes, you know, and it's not like nothing's working efficiently, you know, like because the people making those decisions are men. Yeah. (laughs) Right. That's, that's for sure. But also like, it's really, the problem is like really complicated too. Um, So like, they, you know, they, their, their policies, like including, you know, giving some financial support for um, families having a, having a, you know, giving birth to a child. But then, you know, like it, it costs a lot to raise the kids. Um, and then like just giving some little financial support, we're not going to fix that. And, um, if you don't change the entire society, like, um, the work culture, the family culture, and, um, you know, like, um, fixing those like a double standard for, um, you know, male and woman and it, all those things still exist. Um, so like, uh, all those like governments, you know, like people in government are trying to do, um, come up with some, some of those like, uh, um, interventions, policies and everything, but I don't think it is easy for them to really fix everything. 
Yeah. I, uh, my, my good friend wanted to have another child and she was talking to her husband about it and he just got his pilot's license and they did the math because he also wanted to buy a plane. She's like, we're not buying a plane. Are you crazy? Like, we're not, buying, we're not that rich. We're not going to buy a plane. But then they did the math in terms of literally just daycare, just daycare for another baby. And it kind of actually came out to the price of an airplane. And, oh. you know, and she was like, it's kind of crazy when you actually hold it side by side, like on one hand, who are, we're not going to buy an airplane, but at this other hand, it's like, that's the cost of a child too, only up to age five and only daycare. Right. So yeah. it's when you put in that perspective, you're like, Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what is your vision for the future of your company? I mean, um, so like we want to become a brand and that, um, women can rely on, like resonate with and, you know, be excited about. You know, like I, I use like this comparison a lot. Um, like if you ask like any woman in the street, um, ask them like what's their favorite cosmetic brand. People will talk about like over 30 minutes, like enthusiastically, like the brand they like and why they like it. And then like if you ask any woman, like what's your favorite condom brand or like sexual wellness brand? You know, some might have answers in, in the US, um, but in Korea, like most of them will not have any answers because they're, you know, used to buying things um, that were accessible to them, but not really care about the, um, not really like actively choosing the product or the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to become, you know, the brand like those like a beauty or like a fashion companies um, where, you know, our consumers um, become our friend and advocate and um, like ambassador. They get excited about us and, we build a um, trustful relationship um, so they can, um, you know, the build the trust trust, and um, whenever we produce a product, um, they will know it's safe and it's, it's good for them. Mm, amazing. I am so excited for the future of your company. I love your products. I'm going to start buying them. Can't wait for the shipping to get faster, but I don't care. I'm going to put my order in today. Uh, you are amazing. You are so courageous. And um, I'm I'm grateful that you are leading the charge over there in Korea. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my interview with Juwon Park, founder and CEO of Save & Co. Learn more about Save & Co. at www.save.co. That's S-A-I-B dot C-O. And don't forget, use your promo code FEMTECH for 25% off your order. Okay, Fem fans, it's time to get engaged. If you love the show, then you'll definitely enjoy reading our weekly newsletter. Subscribe at femhealthinsights.com. While there, you can also join our virtual community, which has over 1,000 Femtech founders, investors, and advisors you can get insights and feedback from. We have an active events calendar, jobs board, and much more. Please give our social channels for Femtech Focus and Fem Health Insights a follow. The links are in the show notes. And don't forget, sharing is caring. Send this show to a friend or colleague and keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.